At the theater, more than the movies come to life, movie lovers march in and skip the line with digital tickets to the latest movies on the free Fandango app, ready to grab some snacks. Pick me! And head to the best seats in the house for a night of romance, terror, and quality family screen time. Visit Fandango.com or download the app today for your ticket to the movies. I'm ready to go. Streaming now only on Peacock. Five rich and famous international soccer stars. They have everything except love. I think girls in the past have gone for me because of what I've got. That's why we're going undercover. We're setting them up with single American women. They don't know we are famous. They don't know we are rich. And they'll have to hide their true identity. What do you do for work? I'm an ad salesman. (laughs) Oh, God. What am I doing? Love Undercover. New series streaming now only on Peacock. All right, welcome to Bet the Edge. I'm Jay Croucher here with Drew Dinsick, dressed in black because of the funeral that was the National Basketball Association last night. We're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the NFL draft today with Peter King. We're going to talk about everything from the number two pick uh, to the other elements of the first round, which maybe haven't been covered as much. So let's bring in Peter now and get stuck into it. Peter, thanks very much for joining us. Hey, good to be on with you guys. How are you? Very well, thank you. Uh, let's start with the second pick in the draft because that is where, for all intents and purposes, the draft seems like it will start. There's been some momentum for Will Levis to go number one today, but don't think that is necessarily real. So starting with pick two, now you had Houston taking Tyree Wilson in your mock draft yesterday. A lot can change in 24 hours. Uh, do you still think that Houston takes Tyree Wilson or is there a chance they take a quarterback? I don't think Houston's taking a quarterback here. I think they're going to take the best available defensive player. I believe, I believe. Uh, And in part because, you know, there's a couple of teams in this draft that feel like, you know, there's two really good edge players, Tyree Wilson and Willie Anderson. And because, uh, Houston does not have a single legitimate edge rusher on the roster right now. This it's not quite as important as getting a quarterback, but they do not want to force a quarterback when they like the edge rushers better. So I think that they still go with Tyree Wilson here. Okay. And that uh, intuition that Tyree Wilson fits better, what Demeco Ryans wants to run or uh, in just in yeah. general, you have a read it's that they because, have. It's basically because as one general manager told me, Tyree Wilson, you know, and you've got to be a baseball guy, I guess, to, to get this Tyree Wilson is a swing for the fences and Willie Anderson is a solid double. And I think that is a good way to compare the two guys. Uh, Willie Anderson is a guy who, is as steady and as uh, positive a factor for your team as you could have. Uh, but I think the ceiling for Tyree Wilson's a little bit higher. Can you help me uh, understand something real quick about Houston? Um, yeah. They've gone through a weird su- succession, right? Third, co- third coach in three years. Uh, you know, the guy who was kind of, you know, in the ear of the owner has moved on. 
do you get the sense that this is now kind of Nick Cesario's a job and opportunity to make these picks? And, you know, if that's the case, what do you think ultimately his plan is to put a quarterback on the field in 2023? Nick Cesario is, I am want to say, uh, is sort of a CIA agent among <laughs> guys who really kind of keep to themselves and who don't say anything. Okay. about the draft. Uh, Nick Casario is tighter with his information. He's as tight as anybody. And that obviously comes from the fact that he worked for Bill Belichick and Belichick would never let anything out before the draft. So I think there's that. And I think Nick Casario essentially simply does not want to force a quarterback who he doesn't like. And I don't think that Houston loves, I don't, I think they could very well take a quarterback either with their second pick in the first round, uh, you know, either trading up or trading down or staying right there. But I don't think they're going to take one at number two. Yeah. That, that fits with all the mail we've gotten that they have been very aggressively working out Hendon hooker, who would be kind of that 12 and or trade into the bottom of round one spot. Um, the, uh, so it sounds like then if, if, if he's operating with that level of confidence, he's thinking of this as sort of the beginning of his tenure, as opposed to, I need to find winning football and I need to do it quickly. You know, that's the problem with this kind of year, this, or this time, this time of year, I should say most uh, teams are going to keep a very tight lid on accurate information, which is why, honestly, the way I do this most often, and, and I know this is going to sound weird, I don't ask Howie Roseman, what are the Eagles going to do at 10 and 30? I ask the people who know Howie Roseman well, Sure. what's your sense of what Howie Roseman is going to do? Howie Roseman's not going to tell me. And, you know, and just like, you know, the, Chris Ballard is not going to tell me what the Colts are doing. So you talk to people who know Chris Ballard, and that's, that's sort of how it goes at this kind time of year. Yeah, I think the other thing, too, is that everyone expects that Houston's going to take a quarterback uh, and not go into year three of the Davis Mills era, but they won't necessarily do that at two because they can do it later in the draft. They could also potentially trade for someone like Trey Lance or Mac Jones or, you know, there are other quarterbacks out there. Uh, if they do go defense at two, then the draft all ripples from there. Uh, all the mail has been that Arizona uh, struggling to trade the number three pick. Um, do you think they ultimately will find a sweeter and, and a suitor? And who, um, who do you think is most likely to go three if someone does trade up uh, of the quarterbacks? I had Tennessee moving up to number three. I've since been told Tennessee's not going to do that, um, which, you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, and again, honestly, most times in the mock draft, what I do is I try to think the way a general manager would think along with the rest of the people in his organization. And that's clearly why I had Tennessee moving up. And plus, I just can't imagine C.J. Stroud sinks like a stone. Uh, do people watch football? I mean, I, I mean, I, I've really been surprised at you know uh, at the sort of the sort of the collective trashing of 
CJ Stroud over the last, uh, you know, over the last say week, uh, I just figure somebody in here is going to figure out that CJ Stroud is, is a really good football player and they're going to take him. I think he'll go somewhere between maybe like three and eight and probably with a trade up, but you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, Peter, I don't think many people watched Ohio State, Georgia. Uh, I think that game went under the radar. (laughs) (laughs) I'd ultimately fall. If you watch that game and you have all these 100, you have 100 (laughs) questions about about, uh, CJ Stroud and you're saying, well, you know, he flunked the S2 test. And, you know, two weeks ago, you never even heard of the S2 test. It's just, you know, I just think it's nonsense. It's, it's, Draft overkill, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that, if anything, is probably more just a little bit of hesitance about what an Ohio State quarterback, how ready he is to play, how, you know, what the learning curve is going to be to get to a, you know, NFL level. At least that's what I, that's what I hear. I have no idea if it's true. Um, so just in a macro sense, when there's this much uncertainty at the top of the draft, one of the things that sort of screams to me is a lot of teams have not committed to choices because there are like deals in principle that may come into, you know, into play uh, as teams kind of reshuffle and get into the correct order, (laughs) because obviously, you know, a team like Arizona, who according to at least reports, Kyler Murray's stumping for, you know, an offensive tackle. Well, they're kind of, kind of can't really justify taking one at three, but they're, star player wants one so you know the idea of like all of this uncertainty to me i see it as a macro signal that there may be some true surprise trades in the top 10 do you get that same sense or is this a year where you know again we make a whole big deal about trades and then nothing materializes i don't think there are going to be as many trades as people think now arizona definitely wants to move down atlanta definitely wants to move down from number eight Uh, That doesn't mean they're going to be able to move down because you need to have a partner who's willing to trade something significant. The the most real thing about this draft was told to me by uh, one general manager who said, look, every year everybody wants to trade down and pick up an extra two or three or whatever. He said the problem is on our board, we think that the range from about 15 to 70 is pretty similar players. Hmm. So we have no interest in, we have interest in getting uh, twos and threes, no question about it. But most teams in the league don't view the picks around 15, 18, 20, 24 as being so great that it's worth sacrificing a very usable day two player, a second or third round player in order to get in position to do that. My gut feeling is we're not going to see as many trades as we thought we might. Okay. Interesting. Well, if there is a trade, uh, could potentially be for the guy I think is the most tantalizing prospect in the draft, Anthony Richardson, who you had going sliding to the Vikings at 23. Uh, I guess he's probably the highest ceiling, lowest floor prospect of the quarterback. So it might make sense that in terms of draft position, he's also the highest ceiling, lowest floor. (laughs) What's the earliest, Peter, do you think that Richardson could go? And do you think that 23 is about as late as he could go? I don't think he'll go after 23. I kept looking for a place to, to, to get him to go. And Minnesota, which I think at some point, 
the expiration date on Kirk Cousins is going to be activated. Um, you know, he's been there five years, made a jillion dollars, won one playoff game. <laughs> he's going to make a jillion dollars plus this year. And it's the last year of his deal. If the Vikings want to keep him, do you want to guarantee $45 million in 2024 to Kirk Cousins? I don't know about that. Um, there's one other thing, you know, you ask about, you ask about, uh, for instance, about the, the, you know, where Anthony Richardson could go. I think there's a very legitimate chance he goes to Seattle at five. Uh, I think they're they're interested in him. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to take Seattle to see Seattle take a quarterback. So I guess what I would say is more than anything else, I think uh, Anthony Richardson is a fascinating prospect who probably needs to sit minimum for a year because he just doesn't have the experience to step in and play great football on day one. Yep, that all makes sense. All right, before we get to the Green Bay Packers, a reminder to download the Roto World app to receive breaking player news all season long. Stay ahead of the competition by favoriting players on your roster. Get the latest injury updates, player news, and much more delivered right to your phone. It's available in the App Store today. I'm ready to go. Streaming now only on Peacock. Five rich and famous international soccer stars. They have everything except love. I think girls in the past have gone for me because of what I've got. That's why we're going undercover. We're setting them up with single American women. They don't know we are famous. They don't know we are rich. And they'll have to hide their true identity. What do you need for work? I'm an ad salesman. (laughs) Oh, God. What am I doing? Love Undercover. New series streaming now only on Peacock. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this. How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics. This summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. The Premier League is built on hope. The hope of discovering a new star. It doesn't take long for Darwin Nunez to make an impression. The hope of rewriting history. And the hope of continuing a dynasty. Unstoppable week after week. This is the Premier League on NBC, USA and Peacock. Okay, so America's national nightmare is over. Aaron Rodgers to the Jets. Australia's <laughs> national nightmare is over. Planet Earth's national nightmare is over. That is finally done. Uh, Peter, you had uh, in your mock yesterday Dalton Kincaid going to the Packers. Um, do you still think that'll be the case? And do you think that Kincaid will be the first tight end drafted uh, before Michael Mayer? There's massive love for Dalton Kincaid. My only problem with giving Dalton Kincaid to a middle of the first round pick. Now, look, I had it before the Rodgers trade came out. I would still have Dalton Kincaid at 15 to Green Bay. Now, I mean, at 13 to Green Bay with the switch in picks um, 
with the New York Jets. The reason that I'm I wouldn't set that in stone for any uh, you know for any amount of money is because there are so many good tight ends in this draft. And if you're the Packers and you now have two picks in the 40s, you might say, hey, we can get the number three tight end in a rich crop of tight ends. We could get the number three tight end and we'd be very, very happy and we'd be doing very well. So to me, I think the biggest thing that I look at with Green Bay right now is they're going to come out with a tight end. But this is a team that has three picks now in the first one and a half rounds of this draft. Uh, It's rich new territory for them. So I think they may figure they could get the tight end a little bit later. But they and a lot of teams love Dalton Kincaid. Yeah, I think it was pretty strategic for them to jump uh, the Patriots, who I know for sure would be in the tight end and wide receiver market. Uh, so yeah. that makes total sense. But your point about now having two picks in the 40s and there being a lot of um, you know kind of depth at the tight end position is very, very real. Um, do you get the sense that um, they would look at pick 13 to – take a swing on a you know wide receiver one off the board uh, or is that uh, just kind of in general not really in keeping with sort of the Green Bay philosophy the Packers haven't done that the reason why it's such a cool thought right now is how wonderful would it be if the Green Bay Packers once Aaron Rodgers is out the door finally took a wide receiver in the first round and, you know, high in the first round, relatively speaking, which Aaron Rodgers has wanted them to do for years. And, you know, 10 minutes after he leaves the building, <laughs> here comes Jackson Smith and Jigba. Uh, and look, I don't know what the Packers are going to do. They do a good job, too, of, of shutting up before a draft. Jackson Smith and Jigba wouldn't shock me here. I just sort of think that that if you can get the guy who's acknowledged as a best tight end versus, and look, I'd have nothing against Jackson Smith and Jigba, but I think he is the best of a mediocre crop of receivers. And Dalton Kincaid is the best of the strongest crop of tight ends in over a decade. I don't know. And, you know, there's no question that Matt LaFleur is going to want a security blanket for the quarterback, for a new quarterback. Um, So I can talk myself in or out of that pick because, again, if you're going to pick, let's say, 43rd and 45th in, you know, overall, you are going to be in position to get the second, third, fourth best tight end on your board. Mm -hmm. So you might just say, we'll just do that. Can I follow up real quick with your general opinion of Green Bay and sort of yeah. this, the sort of it feels like uh, people have kind of fallen all over themselves to, you know, try to find the next team in the NFC who you ought to, you know, you want as sort of the you know top of the board here. Uh, a lot of people just, you know, falling all over themselves over the Lions and the Lions are going to get two very good players in this draft. So I can kind of see how it all makes sense that things might click for them. Um, but do you think that uh, in general, there's still enough talent on Green Bay and that if they get as good a production out of the, you know what they got from Aaron Rodgers last year, or maybe even better because you know frankly he wasn't that great last year. Uh, that uh, Green Bay could be a little bit of a sleeper this year. I think it really all depends on two things. Number one, uh, 
you know, obviously Jordan Love, nobody knows what to think of him at all. And and I in which is so that's the obvious thing. The second part of it is to me anyway, their defense to me was a big disappointment last year, especially early on. This is the unit that should have been keeping them in games. And I don't think – I mean, they certainly weren't great early on. And so to me, I think I want to know right now – I want to know in that front seven, you've got four number one draft picks on that front seven. Rashawn Gary, Quay Walker, um, Devontae Wyatt, and uh, who am I? Uh, Kenny Clark. And they just got to play better. That's all there is to it. And if they don't play better, first of all, I am a buyer in the Detroit Lions in a big way. And, you know, if if I right now, if somebody said, who's your dark horse team uh, to get out of the NFC this year? I don't even know if Detroit's a dark horse anymore. They were one of the best three or four teams in the NFC in the last month of the season last year. And so I, I know everybody says, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. What about San Francisco and Philadelphia? Okay. Who else is better than Detroit in the last month of last season? Dallas, maybe. maybe. I don't know. I mean, but, but anyway, my only point is Detroit's got five picks in the first three rounds. They've drafted very well in the limited sample of Brad Holmes so far. So, you know, I don't think – the Detroit, I understand that there's a lot of bandwagon people on Detroit right now, but in my opinion, for very good reason. Yeah, right now the Lions are the fourth favorite to win the NFC behind San Francisco, Philadelphia, and Dallas, which uh, you could argue that maybe the Lions should be third. Uh, last one for you, Peter. Uh, is there one team that you're most curious about in round one? Uh, just got no idea what they're going to do uh, and most looking forward to their pick. Well, at the risk of, uh, you know, basically being a little bit of a cliche right now, I think a real fascinating team in the first round is going to be the Atlanta Falcons because, look, I, there's a few things I know about the first round. It gets harder and harder. The Atlanta Falcons very much want to trade down, very much. If they can trade down – and, for instance, move down and still get Bijan Robinson. Look at the incredible weaponry that this team would have. Bijan Robinson, Kyle Pitts, Drake London. Uh, add to that the fact that nobody has figured out a way to stop Cordero Patterson yet. And he's about 48 years old. Uh, it, look at Tyler Algier. He got my vote for Offensive Rookie of the Year last year. He's 1,000-yard back. Uh, he's a real grinder of a running back. I, you know, I just think there are so many things to like about the Atlanta Falcons right now. And if they could trade down from eight, still get B. John Robinson and pick up another you know, primetime pick, say second or high third, I, I really am going to like what Atlanta can do. Yep. 
I think the Falcons definitely going under the radar. They were a team that went way over their win total last year, and I guess because they fell out of the the, the race for the playoffs at the end, probably not thought of as much, but um, certainly they're overachieving. Uh, Peter, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, can you let people know what you're going to be working on this week? I know it's going to be a busy week for you. Well, you know, I used to, in my former days before 2018, when I went to NBC full-time and, I've just been concentrating on writing my Monday column. I'd be a bee in a beehive right now. I'm really working a lot. But, you know, I took the dog for a two and a half mile walk this morning. I plan yeah. to take a nice nap this afternoon. Oh, and this tomorrow great. I'm going to fly uh, somewhere and I'm going to do a story for the top of my column. I'd, I'd rather not say where, but I'm going to do a story for the top of my column Monday digging deep into one team. So hopefully it'll work out and I'll be able to give people some insight about the draft that they didn't have otherwise. I yeah. love it. I like that. Very CIA agent, very Mr. Casario. <laughs> hey, by the way, by the way, I wish it was Houston. They pick it two and 12. This That'd be just quite a story, is. yeah. We won't be going to Houston. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Peter, thank you so much for your time and, uh, and enjoy the week. All right, Jay, take care, Drew. Thank you. Cheers. All right, there it is, Drew. Uh, yeah. uh, I got to say, I'm kind of excited for this draft to be done with. Just <laughs> all of the information and misinformation, uh, it's kind of uh, it's hard to keep up with everything. But any final draft thoughts? Which quickly touched on. I mean, the Will Levis going one stuff. Um, nonsense. Uh, Complete I mean, nonsense. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's on. he's just moved into plus one seventy five to go one uh, as we're recording, which is a little frightening. But at the same time, yeah. it seems to be based off of nothing. But the, yeah, really the the lesson the lesson is as always: these markets are extraordinarily illiquid. If one Reddit post and a bunch of ten dollar bets can move this, then you know take take the take the market signal with a little bit of a grain of salt this is not uh this is not cowboys have moved to minus three favorites against the eagles there's something going on here with jalen hurts like this is a very very different situation as far as i could tell you and i think levis while you know his uh, you know i need him to go in the top four of this draft i don't i really don't care where i really don't <laughs> as long as he goes in the top four, we will be happy campers on Friday, Jay. So, uh, you know, I, but at the same time, like, you know, I get why it's, it's, it's easy and fun to, you know, create some intrigue, I guess. Uh, you know, the Bryce Young stuff came squarely from Adam Schefter. And if you know anything about Schefter, he shares an agent with Bryce Young. So you can pretty much pretty clearly connect the dots about where Adam Schefter got his information. Um, and, you know, if, if the agent and the team, you know, if the agent and the player feel pretty strongly they're going to go to number one overall, then that's fine by me. I don't have any strong opinion otherwise. Definitely more of a signal there than a rando on Reddit. On Reddit. Yes, I think Bryce Young will go one. Though Will Levis, is, his price has been locked at some sports books, and then he's plus 175 uh, on points bet on the screen right now. So hopefully this is fake. I still think it's fake, but I need that man to not go one. I need Bryce Young to go one, uh, which I think will still happen. All right, don't forget to check out NBC Sports Edge for more information to help you with your wages. Thanks for everyone watching on the NBC Sports YouTube channel. Thank you to Peter King for joining as well. If you're listening to us as a podcast, don't forget to rate and subscribe from Jay Croucher and Drew Dinsick. We'll see you soon.